0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive, and it's name your price tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Jasmine Morris here from the StoryCorps podcast. Our latest season is called My Way. Stories of people who found a rhythm all their own and marched to it throughout their lives consequences and other people's opinions be damned. You won't believe the courage and audacity in these stories. Hear them on the StoryCorps podcast from NPR.
0: Hi, this is Liam from Melbourne, Australia. After four months, 3,000 kilometers, 19 prefectures and three pairs of shoes, I finally finished my top-to-bottom walk of Japan, having finally reached Cape Sata at the southernmost point of the island of Kyushu. This podcast was recorded at
2: 10.15 p.m. on Tuesday, January 23rd.
0: Things may have changed by the time you hear this. For example, I'll have taken some form of a motorized public transport. Anyway, here's the show.
3: What a lovely walk. Oh, my God. Is this guy real? This is amazing.
0: <laughs> I was tired from the long day of covering this campaign until now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey there, it's the NPR Politics Podcast. I'm
3: Susan Davis. I cover politics.
0: I'm Ashley Lopez. I cover voting. I'm Frank Franco As I cover the campaign.
3: And I'm Tamara Keith. I cover the White House. And former President Donald
2: Trump is now a three-time winner of the New Hampshire Republican primary. With just over half of the vote counted, he was leading lone main rival Nikki Haley by about nine points. Franco, you're at Trump headquarters tonight. It was notable to me that Trump was flanked on either side by two of his former rivals, businessman Vivek Ramaswamy and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. What was Trump's message tonight?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was part of a message that he's really been pushing the last few days, this message of inevitability, uh, that he is going to be the nominee and ready to move on to the general election. It was also obviously a show of strength of so many of top rivals also joining in behind him. You know, it was a big celebration here in the, in the ballroom, still here. There's still a lot of TV around. You know, it was, uh, you know, a raucous crowd, a big crowd, a big applause when, you know, when, when it was reported on Fox News, the TV's here, that he had won. And Trump gave a, a strong speech, but it was not the kind of the gracious speech that he gave after <laughs> Iowa, you know, where he congratulated Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. You know, in this one, he was, you know, clearly angry. She did very poorly. Actually, she had to win. The governor said she's going to win. She's going to win. She's going to win. Then she she failed badly. Now I have
2: Tam Haley lost tonight, but she didn't sound like that in her speech. It almost had the tone of a victory speech, and she seems committed to staying in the race through Super Tuesday. But give us a reality check on that. Is that is that possible for her?
3: I mean, anything is possible. And, you know, I am reminded that Ron DeSantis was going to stay in the race and he was going mm. to South Carolina and he was going to compete in New Hampshire and he was on his way back up here to hold an event when he released a video saying he had dropped out. And And the reality is that if a candidate wants to continue – They can't show any hint of weakness. Uh, And Nikki Haley tonight was certainly, you know, she's like, New Hampshire is the first in the nation, but it's not the last in the nation. And and she is there as this person standing up and the last one standing saying, hey, do we really want to nominate Donald Trump? Because if we don't, we need to do something different here.
2: Tim, did the results meet expectations set by the Haley campaign? Was this a better than expected showing for her? I mean, a loss is a loss, but I I wonder how they might be spinning it because it is a, a relatively close
3: contest. Expectations. What are expectations? I mean, she spent the entire week between Iowa and New Hampshire saying that her only Goal was to be stronger in New Hampshire than she was in Iowa. Well, obviously, she (laughs) was stronger in New Hampshire than she was in Iowa, and perhaps she was even like a little bit stronger than they were expecting. We, we, you know, not all of the totals are done being totaled, but it was a little bit closer than maybe they were expecting. But it is still second place, and if you want to be the nominee, eventually you have to win something.
2: Franco noted how in his speech. Trump seems sort of irked and angry by Haley, but in her speech, there is this moment where she speaks sort of complimentary of Trump.
3: I voted for Trump twice. I was proud to serve America in his cabinet. I agree with many of his policies. I decided to run because I'm worried about the future of our country and because it's time to put the negativity and chaos behind us. (laughs) I will say that is a standard part of her stump speech that made it into the election night speech.
2: Still threading a needle between trying to run against Trump, but not anger the voters that still like him
3: very much. Right. And that is her challenge. Right. Like she she is this candidate who is saying the party needs to move on that you to save the country. The party needs to move on. And yet, uh, you know, a large share of the electorate is not ready to move on.
2: Actually, we also should note that President Biden also won New Hampshire tonight, but he won it in a very strange way. Can you explain what happened tonight?
1: Yeah. So he wasn't technically on the ballot, right? The Democratic Party changed their rules so that South Carolina would technically be the first primary uh, for Democrats to weigh in on. And so everyone who supported Joe Biden had to write it in. It was very interesting to be at a polling location when people were actually like hand counting ballots. And they sort of announced everybody who got written in, which is very fun to hear. The sorts of people who get written into uh, presidential (laughs) primary ballots. Um, Sometimes it's people's families and their pets. It's really fun. And so, yeah, he wasn't officially on the ballot. So, you know, everyone had to just sort of see who got written in. And of course, you know, it was the the biggest rating campaign was for Joe Biden. Um, And so, yeah, next up in, you know, in South Carolina, we'll get like an actual sense of how Joe Biden's doing. But yeah, this was a strong showing for him.
2: Do you get a sense about Democratic enthusiasm? Because uh, you look at candidates like Minnesota Democratic Congressman Dean Phillips, who very loudly saying in New Hampshire, like, look, we have a real enthusiasm problem here. And maybe you could point to votes for Dean Phillips (laughs) as evidence of that enthusiasm
1: problem for Joe Biden. Well, I will say in New Hampshire specifically, those voters are not happy with the Democratic Party because they didn't get their first in the nation primary. So it's kind of weird. It's so much it's not so much like aimed at Joe Biden, because I think the voters who I talked to who were voting in the Democratic primary, obviously, were by and large supporting Biden, but they just don't like that the party has sort of changed this thing that they will remind you is in their constitution that they have to be first. So I I guess it is a good point. Like there were other names in there. Marianne Williamson got like 30 votes in like the little precinct I was in. Um, Dean Phillips did pretty good, too. And so, you know, there is overwhelming support for, for Biden. But yeah, there are a few Democrats who aren't happy and they're especially not happy in New Hampshire with these uh, rule changes.
2: All right, let's take a quick break and we'll talk more about New Hampshire when we get back. And we're back. And Tam, the Biden campaign put out a statement tonight that made it pretty clear that they see the Republican primary race is over.
3: Indeed. Uh, the campaign manager for President Biden, Julie Chavez Rodriguez, put out a statement saying. Quote, while we work toward November 2024, one thing is increasingly clear today. Donald Trump is headed straight into a general election matchup where he will face the only person to have ever beaten him at the ballot box, Joe Biden. They are raring for this fight. They want it. A couple of colleagues and I visited Biden campaign headquarters recently, and they were bemoaning the fact that they thought most Americans didn't yet realize that Donald Trump was likely to be the Republican nominee. They want to make sure Americans do know that, in part because they think that could benefit President Biden, because... The contrast is something that would be helpful to him, because if you're just staring at Joe Biden himself, many Americans have some reservations.
2: Ashley, I was remiss to not ask you the enthusiasm question in New Hampshire about Donald Trump and turnout overall. What what
1: did it look like tonight in the state? Yeah, well, not surprisingly, there was a strong turnout. I think New Hampshire ranks very high in voter participation. I ran into a lot of people who were like, especially Democrats, were like, look, I don't really understand this whole write-in thing. But- when it's an election day, I vote. Uh, this is what I do every single time. People here are in the habit of voting. So I'm not surprised that even without Joe Biden on the ballot, that they were turning out to vote. And yeah, there were a lot of Trump voters. There were a lot, obviously a lot of Trump voters because, I mean, like, look at the results. So um, yeah, I, I was also surprised by a, a lot of young voters coming out to vote. I, I spoke to someone who was like 20 and is an independent voter service member. And he was uh, very interested in more democratic politics. But he was like, this is like the great thing about being in New Hampshire and being an independent voter. It's like you really get to pick and choose like where the heat is and where you're going to vote.
2: So Franco, the race now heads mainly to South Carolina. I want to put a little asterisk here to note if we have any Nevada listeners that yes, there will be a Nevada primary and caucus before South Carolina. But none of the campaigns are really playing there and everyone's focused on South Carolina. So What does it look like for Trump and Haley going into her home state?
0: I mean, it looks very good for for Trump. I mean, all the polls show that uh, Trump is way ahead. I mean, Nikki Haley is trying to say that, you know, it won't be so easy. Just two days ago, he had the governor, the lieutenant governor and several other leaders, state officials um, and members of Congress on stage with him and them speaking out against Haley And for Donald Trump and a very big, bold blow to Nikki Haley. And of course, on Friday, he also had Tim Scott come out in very strong language, speak for Donald Trump. So South Carolina is going to be a very tough battle for Nikki Haley. I mean, this is this is Trump country now in many ways. I mean, I think certainly, you know, things can change. As Tam said, there can always be a surprise. But South Carolina is, you know, New Hampshire looked a lot better than South Carolina.
2: Franco, you had a piece this week on the radio, you may have heard of it, running up to New Hampshire, (laughs) saying that, framing this Republican primary fight as sort of the ongoing identity crisis in the Republican Party. Is it the party of the Reagan-Bush era, or is it Donald Trump's party? Now, on the other end of the New Hampshire primary tonight, with with the primary election looking to go the way it's going... Is this even really a debate anymore? It seems like this is Donald Trump's party now.
0: You know, many traditional establishment Republicans were kind of gunning for this kind of fight. They wanted a choice. Like it or not, they wanted, like, some clarity about the direction of the party. Obviously, they wanted change. They wanted, in other words, they wanted to someone to stop Trump. They thought that Nikki Haley could be that person. She was the closest person they could find to be that person. But I think the results today show that, yeah, it's Trump's party. I mean, he did a resounding win. The voters were not only Republicans, but there were a lot of independent voters. And still, Trump came out very much on top. This was supposed to be the opportunity for those anti-Trump forces to stop the campaign from rolling away with it. And that did not happen. And as we just said, you know, South Carolina and Nevada are both going to be a lot more Trump-friendly.
3: But I do think there is a general election question here, because if former President Trump is getting 54 percent of the vote in the Republican primary, but like 45 percent of people who voted want someone else, many of them are independent voters who, come the general election, may not toe the party line and and they may well vote uh, for Joe Biden or someone else. So you, you end up with a situation where Trump may be strong in the Republican primary, but Is he strong enough in a general election setting where independent voters will be voting again? Sure. And how much of that Haley vote will ultimately go to Trump or go to Biden or stay home?
0: Absolutely.
2: That's it for our New Hampshire primary coverage. And we'll be back in your feeds later today with our usual daily episode. I'm Susan Davis. I cover politics.
1: I'm Ashley Lopez. I cover voting.
0: I'm Frank Ordonez. I cover the campaign.
3: And I'm Tamara Keith. I cover the White House. And thanks for listening to the NPR Politics Podcast.
2: This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you're carrying around a lot of stress, therapy is a safe space to get it off your chest. If you're considering therapy, give BetterHelp a try at betterhelp.com
1: NPR to get 10% off your first month.
0: I'm Jesse Thorne.
1: Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln Well, you know, it was 2020 and we were all so isolated, I I just started doing research. uh, But the truth is, no, I just thought of it. We'll talk about that and more on Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR.
2: Drake and Kendrick Lamar have been lobbing some serious accusations at each other. You've probably heard the diss tracks and wondered, what's just a low blow and what's actually criminal? I'm Brittany Luce, host of It's Been a Minute from NPR, and I'm getting into what's art and what's worthy of criminal investigation and who those accusations hurt the most on It's Been a Minute from NPR.